Unhappy is he to whom the memories of childhood bring only fear and sadness. Wretched is he who looks back upon lone hours in vast and dismal chambers with brown hangings and maddening rows of antique books, or upon awed watches in twilight groves of grotesque, gigantic, and vine-encumbered trees that silently wave twisted branches. Yes, folks. That's a quote from Howard Phillips Lovecraft right there from a story we read previously called The Outsider. One of the, I dare say, the best passage of literature that's ever been quoted on the bookening. Does this mean that Lovecraft enters the hollowed halls of being one of the only authors we've gone back to twice? (laughs) That's a fascinating question, and, and we will answer it, but let me... Uh, yes, it does, but but we'll, we we need to see who all he's in company with. So uh, let me introduce us first, though. Uh, you are listening to the Spookening. And, and fun fact, folks, I almost forgot to do the Spookening this year, but none other than Brandon Chastfiend. Ooh. Reminded, re- redinded, fiend. That, yeah, Brandon, Brandon reminded Chast- you to do, yeah. Yeah. No, I redined him. Say Brandon, it, Brandon Chastfiend redined. I know you guys love dining and everything, but I think that you should talk about Brandon Chastfiend puts the die in dining. <laughs> Brandon actually puts the <laughs> die and the e in dining, and the g, which sounds like the vocabulary that they use to. Sing the praises of Cthulhu in this story. Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like Cthulhu's speak. Hey, folks, I am Nathan Albersinner. What am I? What's my, what is my name? Albersin is what you usually do. Is that really what I do? But you're the... Super lame. It has to do with your nickname. You're the... Uh, oh, yeah. Humble and name. obedient ghost. ghost. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 of course. And then we've got Brandon Chastfiend, the scholar who's a mauler of blood. Of bleeding, I think it's of usually. Of bleeding, yes, you're right. How am I remembering all this Halloween stuff more than you, Nathan? I reminded I you to even do it in the first place. What's going on? Well, Brandon. I'm protecting the brand here. Yeah. It is in my name. Yeah, it is in your name. You're protecting the brand. Brandon. Yeah. We should just stop podcasting now. I don't think we're going to get better than that moment. No, <laughs> definitely, definitely not talking about Lovecraft. <laughs> I mean, we should cancel the podcast altogether. I don't mean we should. No, listen. That was we the haven't apex. even introduced Jake Menskiller, the pastor who's a, mm. a master of bleeding. So, uh, Menskiller, you want to do that there, Brandon? Uh, okay, sure. It's <laughs> Jacob <laughs> Menskiller, the pastor who's a master of bleeding. There he is. He's the master of bleeding. That's me. Yeah, I just like to bleed. He to bleed. <laughs> the so bleeding spooky. heart. <laughs> Turn your volume up, Nathan, please. Uh, Get your act together, Nathan. <laughs> you're not hearing That's it in my, your fears. It's much better. <clears throat> I'm glad it's coming through your dead phones. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're laughing so hard we have to mute ourselves. That's what the listeners yeah, that's, don't realize. Yeah, that's the silence. Yeah. Yep. 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 Silent is a grave. Yeah. Hey, everybody, you know, we get that sort of silence with a mute. <laughs> yep. 
You only get that sort of silence with a mute. Hey, everybody, my, na- my name is Nate. Well, you know who we are. Nate is going to go back and put in laugh tracks. I have never done that. I'm thinking, I don't think I have ever... I mean, I've added like silly laugh tracks before, but what I'm trying to think is, have I ever made it sound like you guys laughed at something that I said that you didn't actually laugh at? And I don't think that I've ever done that before because that would be... Dishonest. You do have that power. Oh, yeah. No, I, I do have that power. I've probably cut things out that just flopped before for all of us, but but I've I've, I've never made something that flopped uh I, I did I did actually have one guy email in one time and say, Man, that was a hilarious joke you made. It's lame that Brandon and Jake didn't laugh at it. I don't remember. Did you really? I did. Yeah. I bet you did, yeah. I bet that happens all the time, doesn't it? Every every day? A guy emailed you to say mm-hmm. that. Yeah, you're not the text. people email Nathan all the time to say that his jokes are hilarious and Electri- yeah, they, they never he wishes that we just... would we would laugh. The last laugh today belongs to one Howard Phillips Lovecraft because a true story, folks. I asked Brandon and Jake what they thought of this story, and they both shivered so hard they were really scared. Their teeth started chattering with loud mm-hmm. cartoony teeth chattering sound effects. And I don't know that these guys have ever been more horrified than by... The Call of Cthulhu, one of the 20th century's great classics of weird fiction. (sighs) So, here we go. Let's talk about it. Well, we had to answer Brendan's question. Who all is the Booking Two-Timers Club? So, well, Austin, Tolstoy, Shakespeare. Yep. Lovecraft. (laughs) Dickens are soon to be. C.S. Lewis. Dickens, yeah. Dickens already is because Christmas Carol and Bleak House. Tolkien. Deservedly so. Tolkien, kind of, although he only has one series, so I don't know if that really counts. We did The Hobbit, sure. too. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Milhauser. Uh, that's true, wow. Agatha Christie. I, yeah, I guess it's actually not a very exclusive club. It's it's incredibly easy to get into guess this. guess you can't count rolling. You can count her about as much as you can count Tolkien, I guess. It's all part of one series. Yeah, yeah never mind. It's not a very hallowed group, after all. Although we did do... Robert Galbraith or something like that. We had Danny on to talk about. So we've we've gone outside of Rowling's Harry Potter well. So I'd say you can count her. Okay, yeah. So it's actually easier to be in this group than it is to be in the group of people we've only read one thing. Of. Hemingway. Steinbeck. No. Yes, of Mice and Men and East of Eden. Oh, we did of Mice and Men. We did. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did. Howard Phillips Lovecraft joins the Hallowed Company, and we last. Or we a need couple to get years some ago. more variety with our authors. <laughs> Did we do Trumpet of the Swan? <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> yeah. Because that book is weird, and none yeah. of us really loved it as much as we wanted to, but it was still pretty good, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah. fine. Maybe White fine. likes swans more than I do. There are probably some classic authors out there that we have not discussed yet, but we've done all these people twice. <laughs> well, what are the major classical authors that we haven't discussed? Mm, Hawthorne and Melville. You haven't done the other Bronte. The other Bronte, but eh, you know, whatever. We'll get, we'll get to all of them, folks. We'll get to them. But right now, unless Cthulhu gets us first, right? Unless dead Cthulhu lies rises from Ralia, the city of the deep, and the dead, or dead, or whatever, and, and brings destruction upon the world. 
And I kept no, wanting to look up what meant by psychic. All we have to do is drive his ship through him. No, but he was reconstituting himself really fast there. But it didn't matter because April 2nd came. Was Cthulhu only allowed to rise that day? I missed that part of the lore. I don't doubt it, but I, I don't... I, I think it has to do with the stars and those guys accidentally awakening him. There's a window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the month of March, right? I see. February 28th or March 1st, depending on where you're at in the world, mm-hmm. to April 2nd. And the stars also have to be properly aligned, so it's like this rare occurrence. Right. Yeah, so... And is that what... So they drove through him. That's what happened. That was a, yeah, trippy, was, that was a trippy part. They, they pulled a Eric from Little Mermaid, basically. Well, or they, Eric they, pulled a... That's yeah. right, Jake. Let's get him. That's right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that Ursula, makes sense. The, the, Ursula was a squid demon. So yeah. when you think about it, there are two intellectual properties that have people ramming ships into squid demons. I guess when you're dealing with a squid demon, you could do worse than ram a ship into it. Yeah. But, but then he just reconstitutes, like he becomes... He was reconstituting, but then he disappears, and now we know that he can't come back unless somebody goes and awakens him again because he's back in Ralia or whatever. Well, so I apparently, think, Are I mean, you sure he's time not trapped works. under some rubble or something like that? Like he's officially free, but he just is delayed maybe? No, he well, he doesn't know at the end. That's that's part of the mystery. He says perhaps he was pulled back with the city. I think you just you're not supposed to know. I don't remember. At the end, he says like something about perhaps he was pulled back. I thought he thought city that or, for sure. I, I didn't yeah. think there was as much mystery left to it. I mean, the point is, we are all doomed one way or another because eventually it's going to happen. He's not going to stay buried. The forever, demon right? from the stars. Well, right. That is why I've gotten into caving. I have joined the cult of Cthulhu, and I'm going to be ahead of the game. If by ahead of the game you mean fatly stuck in a cave hole, Cthulhu will save me. (laughs) He could Winnie Pooh his way out of it. He could Winnie Pooh his way out. He could Winnie the Pooh his way out. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you remember that? We we read A.A. Milne that one time. I do remember uh, our favorite author, A.A. Milne. Yeah. And Winnie the Pooh gets stuck in Rabbit's Hole and just has to wait till he gets thin. Would we draw a picture of a different animal on Brandon's butt? (laughs) (laughs) Don't they do that to Winnie the Pooh? (laughs) What? Maybe in in like the cartoon or something like that. I don't think that happened in the book, did it? Oh, well, I don't know. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've read that. That was like five years ago or something like that. That's a long time it's ago. It's time for a revisit. That was like three studios ago. That was True. Like, that was like pre-studio. That was in between the library, our initial, which was our initial studio, and our first real studio. So That was at the church. Yeah, that was just like in, in, the, in a Sunday school room. Yeah, in a, no, that just, was actually before Sunday school. I think that that was actually in the pastor's college room, like for that, that? That, that small window. So that's like yeah. early... Early bookening. Early bookening. I can remember two episodes that we recorded in there. One was Winnie the Pooh and one was Dracula. But that's when we were we were finding our feet there, though. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't attack Winnie the Pooh with half the vitriol that we would have if we'd found our feet. Because Brandon, if there's one thing that he hates, there's only one thing that he hates more than A.A. Milne, and it's uh, that green ember. Yeah, (laughs) just despise it so much. Brandon's just always like only... No, listen... Only murderers read those books. <laughs> Didn't you say they were racist? I may have impressionable minds out there who listen to this thing occasionally, and I do not hate those books. I think they're fine. Oh, right. man, I can't. 
what what Brandon actually is himself is racist, and he was saying like only Hawaiians read those books. And we all know how Brandon feels about the Hawaiians. <laughs> That's true. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> Hey, Brandon, <coughs> did you what? want to offer any context on Howard Phillips Lovecraft? No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> How are we even going to get a show without Brandon's contextual Texan telling us about H.P. Lovecraft? I think we've done that in the past. Nathan, don't you have some things to say about Howard? You say, you didn't even know his name. <laughs> Howard Phillips Lovecraft. Is <laughs> Brandon, you don't know his name? One star. H.P. <laughs> <laughs> One star. Hewlett Packard Lovecraft. <laughs> I knew I, I mean, wish that he had lived more up to his last name. Well, we're going to we're going to litigate that. I'll I'll say this. We we don't have to talk much about Lovecraft. I'll, I'll give people a few fun facts. He loves crafts. He loves yeah, he loves crafts. Oh, loves, loves C rafts, yeah. Love X rafts. Lovecraft is uh, in pretty ill repute these days because he's always talking about and he's racist. Yeah, he's always saying N-E-G-R-O-S and usually not in a very complimentary manner. Pretty pejorative. Uh, this, right. this story has some examples of that. Right. There's there's the like his grandfather or whoever is killed by somebody of that persuasion. And when they bust up the voodoo ring, there's all kinds of racist tropes and stuff like that. Which That's all through. Lovecraft, the N-word appears, so in these modern times, he's fallen out of favor a little bit, and there was that HBO show you guys probably heard of called Lovecraft Love Country. Country. Yeah, which is, which is all about, like, black people claiming Lovecraft and cl- claiming the mythology and recontextualizing it for themselves without giving any deference to the man himself which I think is kind of silly, but that's what you can do with new criticism and stuff like that. Yay! Lovecraft was a miserly, reclusive guy who was a virulent atheist, as you can imagine, and really into science and really into kind of a weird mix of science and superstition and old myths and all the kind of supernatural stories. And he ended up writing a lot of really famous weird fiction stories for a little publication called Weird Tales, which was one of the pulp magazines. I know we've talked about pulp magazines in multiple places. Probably what episodes could they listen to us talk about pulp magazines? Probably the other Lovecraft one that we did, which is The Outsider. Uh, Bradbury. Bradbury, Raymond Chandler. We've talked about pulp magazines many times, but... Basically, they printed magazines for men, and they were supposed to have a bunch of racy content, and they were printed on very cheap, pulp, pulpy paper. And uh, Weird Tales was one of them in the early 20th century, and Lovecraft is one of the people who's lasted. He is arguably the most influential dark fantasist of the 20th century. The his whole cos his, for lack of a better word, his cosmological approach really caught on and. You'll see its influence in everything from Stephen King to modern Marvel movies to all kinds of stuff. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Seven Rings just had a very Lovecraftian beastie at the end, mm-hmm. this kind of demon that was lurking behind a gate that we didn't want to open up the gate because the demon will come through the portal. Anytime you don't want to open a gate because the demon will come through the portal and it'll spell the end of the world, that's, that's just Lovecraft. He invented that whole thing, so... Hellboy is obviously Lovecraftian. Stephen King, you've 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 seen Lovecraftian tropes a million times. You just feels may very not have young known. Ian. Yeah, 
Yeah. Stranger Things. Oh, Stranger Things is majorly Lovecrafty. down to there was a poster for season two that had like a giant squid, purple squid monster lurking in the sky or something like that, which is maybe that even happens. I've only watched the first episode or the first season of Stranger Things because I think that show is overrated and basically garbage for slobs and idiots. But, you know. Not too um, strong of an opinion. What's that? Not too strong of an opinion. No, I basically, it's it's not as strong as Brandon saying that only Nazis read Green Ember. Is that what you said? I'm trying to remember your exact words. I'm pretty sure those were my words. <laughs> yeah. So, what'd you guys think? Call of Cthulhu is H.P. Lovecraft's most famous story. H.P. Lovecraft is also famous for having a well-defined mythos of monsters and ancient books and his own little section of Connecticut. He's a little bit like, oh, what's his face? This, well, like Bradbury, but who's the, who's the Southern Gothic Faulkner. guy? Yeah, he's a little bit like <laughs> William Faulkner in terms yeah, this of is his, his own little yacht in Tulsa County. Yeah, he's got his own little Dunwich University and some of the characters that appear in this one, you'll see references to them in other places. So he's kind of fun in that way. And I think that's one of the reasons that he's caught on with nerds is you can kind of scour his works and learn about the world and go on his wikia and update things. And obviously lots of people have written in his cosmos and in his mythos and built out the world and their board games and cards and Cthulhu lives posters and parody things. And nobody's ever made a great HP Lovecraft movie, but not for lack of trying. Guillermo del Toro was famously trying really hard and had a green light to do at the mountains of madness with tom cruise and then the deal fell apart or something like that but one of the great along with guillermo del toro's hobbit one of the great unrealized cinema things movies i call them well when you i don't know how much he sorry i don't know how representative this work is of his other works but he describes a lot of impossible things in this one that would be pretty pretty hard to capture yeah it's a weird mix of stuff that you feel like has been assimilated into like marvel and stuff you know like the big city coming out of the sea with green slime all over it is very like something that we'd see in a cgi fest these days but but then there's like all the stuff about it was in alien geometry it was yeah it's convex but actually concave and yeah but actually acute (laughs) yeah lots of just like nonsensical paradoxes that what does it even mean yeah it's easy it's supposed to evoke a dreamy feeling a feeling of a dream or a nightmare and it's effective at evoking that Mm -hmm. but in terms of actually visualizing it yeah it's 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 easy to kind of grab the icons like cthulhu is pretty well described and he's basically just a giant squid dragon but then to actually do justice to some of the world building would be pretty difficult Anyway, what did you guys, well, I guess I should ask, what baggage did you guys bring to this spooktacular work of fiction? Having read that zombie story, that's the baggage I brought. Same. And hearing references to Cthulhu. Same. All over the place and uh, loosely associating it with that rum that people drink. Kraken? Yeah. That's funny. I don't think I've ever put those two together. So you know Cthulhu is like a giant squid monster then you... you yeah, I think that's pretty commonly known now. Yeah. I don't remember why. It was, there was something that popularized it, right? Or maybe it's just popular. 
And I, I think know, it's I'd... just a pretty ubiquitous internet thing. I mean, it's just yeah. one of those pieces of nerd lore that people just know. I don't know. It's been assimilated into the culture. Although I don't know how many people I could name in my life that have actually read these stories outside of myself and a couple of weird fiction friends, but obviously there's a big swath of nerddom that likes them. So, okay, yeah, baggage, my baggage people know. I have read most of H.P. Lovecraft and enjoyed a lot of it and enjoyed a lot of fantastical fiction and dark fantasy type stuff. Anyway, what did you guys think about old Cthulhu? Comment the call of. I... So Nathan sent this story to us. Well, he told us we were going to be reading this. Brendan asked, hey, should we do something for Halloween? Yeah, I I stuck my foot in it and Mm -hmm. I looked it up and said, wow, this is long. (laughs) Did we do the At the Mountains of Madness last year? No, no, we've never done that. But The Mountains of Madness is very long. It's like a novella. Yeah, because I know I've looked at that before and I was like, I think I was glad we didn't have to read that because it was Mm -hmm. so long. And... uh, I started reading it, and I'm like, this, this not what, it was not what I expected. I mean, it's got the purple prose and the overblown descriptions that make Lovecraft Lovecraft. Like, one of my favorites was towards the end. <laughs> They're going back to the ship. And all he wants to say is the steam hadn't died down. They could still, there was still enough steam to get the ship going. He said, steam had not been suffered to go down entirely. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, he just has a way of uh, saying what he wants to say in a very obtuse and twisted way. (laughs) He never says what he can say in two words if he can say it in 10. But in this particular story, I I think that it actually adds to the feeling of uh, (laughs) madness and insanity. The fact that the grammar doesn't hold together that it's kind of difficult at times like you guys pointed out and i guess i just kind of glanced over this paragraph too quickly that he actually pierces cthulhu and drives through his belly Mm -hmm. and this whole this whole part of the story was just so dreamy and weird and nightmarish that i kind of skipped over that i just thought that like cthulhu had somehow evaporated and was then coming back together it's it's clear enough now that I go back and look at the paragraph, but it's still kind of part of the ride of this story that it was just weird and uh, a little bit like the willows. As far as the nightmarish, weird, otherworldly feel to it, I mean, even a little bit of the Victorianness of the prose, I'd say the willows was better written than this. But I don't know. I think that there's the fact that Lovecraft puts it in the voice of this character makes it a little more believable and a little more enjoyable that you can kind of distance yourself from just the badness of the prose by just assuming it's the badness of the character and it's kind of in haste to get this written because he thinks he's about to die Mm -hmm. it makes it it makes it kind of where you can stomach it and it's fun yeah he plays around with this sort of liminal jungian deep mythos that is behind all of our subconscious i'm sure that jordan peterson fanboys would Love it, too. So, it's fun. There you go. I Jake. thought this was fun. It, I wanted to read it, and I finished it, and it was long. And at first, I thought I wasn't going to finish it. But I did. There you go. Because I wanted to. So, there's my <laughs> review. <laughs> so, Lovecraft had a couple of bad things happen to him. Number one, he read Edgar Allan Poe. Number two, he read a fantasist named Lord Dunsany that was actually quite a good stylist, but very over the top, very purple. and 
number three, he read Algernon Blackwood, who did The Willows, <laughs> and all of those guys kind of trucked in, let's pile up as many adjectives as we can, and Lovecraft, without having the talent of any of them, was like, I'm going to do it. And in that earlier story, The Outsider is, you, you probably won't be surprised to hear a pretty early Lovecraft, and it's really corny and over the top and purple. This one is peak Lovecraft. You know, this is his Tempest or his Hamlet or whatever. And it's much, I think he's got a lot more, con- the, the, the writing is still ridiculous in places, but he's got a lot more control over it. And he, he knows what he's doing with it. I think he's more self-aware. Jake, your thoughts? Anytime uh, you play with the idea of uh, the demonic and the occult and these ancient beings that have some kind of uh, prehistoric meaning or whatever, I think that's interesting and horrific. And I think there's enough truth in it that it it strikes a nerve or can strike a nerve. Mm -hmm. And it's, I don't, I don't think it's the kind of thing that we ought to be playing with, but it's compelling nonetheless. And that's just a reason why people have Cthulhu tattoos and Cthulhu t-shirts and stuff like that it's this idea that there there are these spiritual supernatural powers from the stars or beyond the stars or fallen stars or fallen angels or demons that sleep that have that all of the old myths have echoes of something real and true behind them and of a time where those things were better known or understood or where they ruled or had some kind of sway and all of that sort of cosmology. It's the kind of thing that we ought to be careful about playing with. And therefore, because it has that both the allure of the forbidden and in the case of Lovecraft, a, a, a pretty well-realized world mm-hmm. with that sort of thing. It's effective. So I listened to it. I didn't read it. I started reading it because... We were we were driving. Let Amanda drive, and I started reading, but I, I had to finish it on the way home, and I couldn't see. So, use an audible you didn't, credit. You didn't want your children in the car to see you scream like a girl in abject fear, right? So we just listened to it together. So you so you all just listened to it together because <laughs> we wanted to see his kids scream in abject fear. Right? He's like, why should they see me? I, I want to see them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's interesting. As you're talking, Jake, I wonder how much influence because i think the answer is not a little uh lovecraft has had directly or indirectly on the whole modern what would you call it the movement of people like alex jones and the guys that are going to do talk about their drug trips and the transcendent beings and kind of the new yeah we call that movement (laughs) yeah well there's a whole world of crypto archaeology that believes that the biblical flood was real these aren't believers, but that the biblical flood was real and wiped out an entire advanced civilization that we have memory of, we have some kind of collective memory of in these ancient stories. And so Atlantis and things like that. So yeah, yeah, there's a, I, I think a lot of that may, may well have origin and just geeks who read Lovecraft and thought wouldn't, well, that's interesting and cool. And, and too, I mean, I think, I think we have Carl Jung to thank for a whole lot oh, of sure, all yeah. of this stuff. You know, even Tolkien and Lewis and the ways that they sort of conceived of 
you know, all Miz having common origins and they're being... The way they filled out their individual fictional cosmologies was very much this. Yeah, and the idea that, you know, that let's not be dismissive of all of, all of the stuff, fairies and dragons and these bizarre Homeric Cyclopean or whatever Lovecraft called it type mm-hmm. things. What does that word mean anyway? Cyclops. I, I think he's referencing like the Titans and yeah, things from Greek mythology and stuff like that. Yeah, I figured, but then it's not ever specifically a Cyclops. It's just, or a one-eyed or one anything. I th- I he, so let's see. Cyclopean masonry, wall constructed without mortar using enormous blocks of stone. Okay. This technique was employed in fortifications where use of large stones reduced the number of joints, denoting a type of ancient masonry made with massive irregular blocks, a cyclopean. So he was just using a very specific, I think that must be what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, because it also means of or relating to a cyclops. Yeah, I think the thing that Lovecraft really engineered and, and helped um, pioneer that that I think continues to be influence influential even on the modern crypto people, crypto archaeology people, and really everybody is he took it out of the realm of the strictly numinous and gave it this sheen of sort of scienceiness. You know, mm-hmm. they're from the stars; they're not from fairyland. There's a little if you think about the difference between this and the Willows, the Willows vastly superior story. The Willows is they could be from fairyland. There's something it's just not defined, which is what makes the Willows great. But Lovecraft does define it, and he defines it as being something that's in universe. There's something that's he gives it a nice sheen of atheism, is what he does, and some science, some sciencey. Yeah, stuff. it's like it's like science horror. That new movie, I guess it's not new anymore, but that movie Annihilation. Sure. Kind of has a similar tone where it takes these concepts that are very scientific, but mixes them with the horror, which I, I mean, anything like this, you can't get away with it without thinking of a Jungian or a Freudian analysis of it. How it's because I mean, he himself is always, he's directly calling attention to that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. just those primal subconscious fears. And then saying, well, they actually come from, this deeper source, these creatures that fell from the stars. Mm-hmm. And occasionally also, his continual mention of the stars, I think, was pretty effective. So mm-hmm. what I was going to say is, even though his prose is pretty bad, occasionally he can trip up on a, the shore of some pretty good writing. Mm-hmm. Like when he describes Cthulhu as going greasily out into the water. <laughs> you like that? It's like, that's, that, uh, that's actually pretty effective. That's pretty descriptive. Well, one thing that I think when I read this kind of prose is, would the story be as good without it? It is bad, and it is pretty, it draws attention to itself in ways that don't help the story often. But it's like, if you're going to try and describe the kinds of stuff, and if you're going to try and weave the kind of spell, I mean, could you do it with terse Hemingway little No, I don't think so. I think that this sort of story has to have this sort of writing. They kind of go hand in hand, and you either are okay with that or you just don't like this sort of thing. Right. I mean, I still think it can do, be done better. The Willows The Willows is far and away the best. It's probably just the best work of... Literature we've read? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> the best work of... I was going to say. The best work of dark fantasy, certainly, arguably, that's ever been written, and certainly that we've read. I mean, I don't think anything 
nothing that we've read that touches on the horror genre comes close, does it? I mean, mm-hmm. maybe the first, the first no, third. No. Of- yeah, maybe the first third of Dracula. Yeah, Jonathan Harker's time in Dracula's castle, I think, is is pretty close. But yeah, the Willows manages to just be subdued and told in the story of that, or in the voice of that tourist guy. The but anyway, I don't have to describe what the Willows is. You can go listen to that podcast. Some people would probably argue Frankenstein. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, in terms of as a work of romantic literature, you could argue for all kinds of things with Frankenstein, but as as an entry point into the dark fantastic, I don't really think Frankenstein has much to offer. Um, like as a horror story, I don't know that Frankenstein really triggers those kinds of primal feelings that a Willows or a, a Lovecraft that is best is going no. for. If, if you want to contemplate the tragedy of our existential doom while thinking about pretty mountains then frankenstein's got some good parts <sighs> uh, anything else you guys want to litigate about this one any i don't know anything else to say about old cthulhu <clears throat> i don't think so no well i'm glad hp L- lovecraft redeemed himself a little bit because i think we have not probably the outsider is one of the top stories we've ever dunked on Right up there with Wrinkle in Time and a couple other things. I think so. I mean, just that first, I was just you looking at the You think we were unfair? No, 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 no. I don't, I think we were completely fair, but. <laughs> That's a pretty bad story. I think it, it was dumb of me to choose it as being representative of Lovecraft. Call of Cthulhu is definitely. Yeah, we would have had a completely different uh, take on Lovecraft if uh, you had given us a story instead. Sorry, I was reading the last lines of um, At the Mountains of Madness. Tekel Lee, Tekel Lee. It's a little bit like the ending of East of Eden. Well, <laughs> I would just like to remind everybody that wretched is he who looks back upon lone hours and vast and dismal chambers with brown hangings and maddening rows of antique books. <laughs> dismal is he. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not a good thing. I'm trying to think if there were any other just howlers and there were, but I can't find them. There were some really funny bad lines in Cthulhu. On this book or this yeah. story? Yeah. Man, I'm not going to be able to pull them up. I should have marked them as I went through. Well, some of them made me laugh just because it was unexpected. The parallel with what went before was the thing which seemed instinct with a fearsome and unnatural malignancy was of a somewhat bloated corpulence. Somewhat bloated corpulence. (laughs) (laughs) He ate too Uh, much Taco Bell. (laughs) Yeah. Brandon, your first uh, book of poetry, A Somewhat Bloated Corpulence, is uh, <laughs> due out this winter. Oh, I knew <laughs> I shouldn't have read that. I knew. But yes. <laughs> yeah, but yes, my book of poetry. <laughs> Self-published. <laughs> oh, man. A Somewhat Bloated Corpulence. Well, there you go, folks. In his house at Relia, dead Cthulhu waits dream- dreaming. Or to say it in the original, <laughs> Fanugwi Muggle Muffle Cthulhu Relia Wagnaggle Patagnan Fanuglui Miggle Muff Cthulhu Reliwe Wagonagle Fatagan. Your turn, Jake. Don't have it in front of me, guys. Sorry. Man. Well, Jake, how many corpulent 
how many bloated corpulences out of 7,042 do you give to the call of Cthulhu? 4,947. And how many bloated corpulences would you give to the willows, just for a reference point? 1.7 million. Oh, wow. That's Whoa. Corpulences. Jake's got, Jake's got a cat. <laughs> Jake's got a cat. <laughs> yes, <Whoa>. I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Same. As far as the whatever Jake said, 4,000 some odd. Well, I'm going to give it. I mean, I could dock at corpulences for all kinds of things, including the fact that it exists at all. But if just on taken on its own terms, if you want it to do what it's trying to do, then I would say this is a 6,000 bloated corpulence story. Doesn't surprise me that's where you land. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me that's where, where my bloated corpulence greasily <laughs> landed. Slides into your review, yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of bloated corpulences, you know what the opposite of bloated corpulences are? Our patrons. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They are. <laughs> they're withered corpses. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're withered corpses. And what I like to do to them is... Call them out. Yeah, call them out. <laughs> Stupid withered... All right. Jake, why don't you shout them out? And then, Brandon, why don't you read a random sentence from The Call of Cthulhu, or a random phrase, and it will be the phrase that best describes this person. All right, so if it's not funny, just blame the fact that I didn't really want to take the time to find something funnier. Yeah, yeah no. You, I I'm just going to point randomly as I scroll down, and when I stop, that's what I'm going to read. How's that sound? That sounds great. And by, and by the way, if heaven ever wishes to grant me a boon, it will be a total effacing of the results of a mere chance which fixed my eye on a certain stray piece of shelf paper. Uh, that was a good one. I like that one. Uh, Sometimes you just wish you could write a sentence like that. <laughs> I mean... I think the other thing that might save Lovecraft is if, if you read his correspondence and stuff, I don't think he was entirely unaware that he was doing this. He he was being a little, he was having a little fun with it. Uh. Maybe not as much as he should have been, but anyway. All right. So we've got some patrons to shout out here. By the way, if you want to become a patron of the booking and have your name shouted out, what would you have to do to have that happen, Jake? You go to patreon.com forward slash the booking mm-hmm. and sign up to give at least ten dollars a month you could sign up for more twenty five dollars a month gets you does it really get you a book no it gives you a t-shirt oh it gets you the t-shirt fifty dollars a month gets you the book mm-hmm. yeah books are great and entirely yeah. worth the price of admission they come personalized for you by us it's really great a lot of fun yeah yeah it's a lot of fun and we we don't get no dover classics either we That's get right. Some nice high quality. We do books. it right. We do it right. And speaking of nice and high quality, let's do some donor shout outs. So we've got Rhonda and La- Robert the Lovebirds. Robert and Rhonda the Lovebirds. There is no language for such abysms of shrieking and immemorial lunacy. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, yeah. uh, the artful Anthony Dodger. The artful Anthony Dodger. The odor arising from the newly opened depths was intolerable. Was it? <laughs> I guess. Sorry, Anthony. <laughs> Little Anthony's Cigar Store. Little Anthony's Cigar Store. 
Oh, I'm just supposed to read something at random. Okay. Yeah, 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 it's fine. Something very like fright had come over all the explorers before anything more definite than rock and ooze and weed was seen. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, folks, go to 114 West Magnolia Avenue, Sweet G in Auburn, Alabama. Get yourself some cigars from Little Anthony's Cigar Store. You won't be sorry. Uh, the Immortal Chelsea E. The Immortal Chelsea E. The polarizing miasma welling out from this sea-soaked perversion. <laughs> Sorry, Chelsea. <laughs> Sorry. Are you, though? That's, that's amazing. <laughs> Jimmy Beam finding. and little Annie Oakley. Little Jimmy Beam and little Annie Oakley. Surface is too great to belong to anything right or proper for this earth, and impious with horrible images and hieroglyphs. <laughs> Lily of the Valley. Lily of the Valley. The dream place he saw was abnormal, non-Euclidean, <laughs> and loathsomely redolent of spheres and dimensions apart from ours. All three, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Andrew and Esther the Lovebirds. Andrew and Esther the Lovebirds. <laughs> Visibly darkening the sky as it slunk away into the shrunken and gibbous sky on flapping membranous wings. <laughs> The Keith Master. I'm having the fun Keith in this Master. section, so I'm just going to stay stay here for a little while. <laughs> you can pick the right section. It lumbered slobberingly into sight and gropingly squeezed its gelatinous green immensity <laughs> through the black doorway into the tainted outside air of that poison city of madness. <laughs> Boy, sorry, Keith Master. Uh, David's Mighty Men Trucking, of course. David's Mighty Men Trucking. He thinks too perished a pure fright in that accursed instant. <laughs> uh, yeah, John it's not Jill, quite as good. Nah, that's fine. John and Jill and little baby Max. John and Jill and little baby Max. Have I read this already? There is no language for such abysms of shrieking and immemorial lunacy. Did I read that? Such eldritch contradictions of all matter, force, and cosmic or order. No, I haven't read that. <laughs> <laughs> Jay and Katie, who are cold and love cheese and also see us Lewis and kill it until we have faces. Jay and Katie, who are cold and love cheese and everything else Nathan just said. What wonder that across the earth a great architect went mad. <laughs> Unsurprisingly kind of mundane. <laughs> <laughs> of all the things he could say are wonderful. Fairy Princess of Wonder and Happiness, Mother Beth. Fairy Princess of Wonder and Happiness, Mother Beth. <laughs> Sorry, Mother Beth. This is just what's coming up next. The green, sticky spawn of the stars had awakened <laughs> to claim his own. Man, you gotta watch out for the green, <laughs> sticky spawn of the stars. <laughs> Console Prime Adam. Console Prime Adam. The stars were right again. No. Hey, nice. Good for Console Prime Adam. He's coming out ahead so far. Nathan, not me? Nathan, not Nathan. I've already said that three men were swept up by the flabby claws before anybody turned. I don't think so. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Ryan the Red Avenger and Judith of the Ladies of Justice. Ryan the Red Avenger and Judith of the Ladies of Justice. <sighs> Plunging frenziedly over endless vistas of green crusted rock to the boat. Ah, uh, haven't we all? <laughs> Benny and Danny Tiberius. Dana Benny Tiberius. and Dana Tiberius. An angle which was acute, but behaved as if it were obtuse. <laughs> <laughs> Ah. <laughs> I think ah, Jake, is one of the funniest things anyone said on this podcast. 
<laughs> I <laughs> take your meaning, sir. <laughs> <laughs> One billion gelatinous comedy points for Jake. <laughs> Eric and Catherine from Yon Window Breaks. Eric and Catherine from Yon Window Breaks. The mountainous monstrosity flopped <laughs> down the slimy stones and hesitated, floundering at the edge of the water. Sounds <laughs> like a tongue twister. <laughs> <laughs> the gelatinous monstrosity flopped down the slimy stones. <laughs> Say that ten times fast. <laughs> okay. Uh, Professor and Lady X? Steam had not been suffered to go down entirely. Lavender's green, Dylan, Dylan, lavender's blue. Lavender's green, Dylan, Dylan, I love you too. Slowly amidst the distorted horrors of that indescribable scene, she began to churn the lethal waters. Mm. That's not so bad. No constrictor? This is going to take forever. (laughs) All right, this is going to be shorter phrases now. Yeah. The masonry of that charnel shore. Uh, Marichip? <laughs> the titan thing from the stars slavered and gibbered. <laughs> the fair and fragrant maiden Chloe? Great Cthulhu slid greasily into the water. <laughs> nice. uh, Jake, I'm not hearing any shout-outs. Uh, he, Anthony he's, was, he's jumping all over me. I'm just letting him go. Oh, Anthony who's cold and hates life, liberty, and the pursuit of cheese. Anthony's cold and hates life, liberty, and the pursuit of cheese. With vast wave-raising strokes of cosmic potency. <laughs> ah, yeah. Jiu-Jitsu Jeffrey the Texas Ranger? Jiu-Jitsu Jeffrey the Texas Ranger. Went mad, laughing shrilly as he kept on laughing in intervals till death found him one night in the cabin. <laughs> <laughs> Midnight Ninja Ellen? Could surely overtake the alert until steam was fully up. Uh, Return of the Jedediah? Return of the Jedediah. Ran, ran lightning-like on deck and reversed the wheel. Jay of Rack and Ruin. Foaming in the noisome brine. Sorry. Foaming on the noisome brine. Foaming on the noisome brine. Uh, Timothy the Rider at Dawn. Timothy the Rider at Dawn. Mounted higher and higher, the brave Norwegian drove his vessel head on against the pursuing jelly, which rose above the unclean froth like the steam of a Damon galleon. <laughs> the brave Norwegian drove his vessel against the pursuing jelly. <laughs> I love that one out of context. <laughs> I mean, we should put that on Brandon's mug of literary <laughs> quotes. Where are we? Matty, 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 Matt, Matt, Man. The awful squid head with Matt writhing. Man. Sorry. No, the awful. I, I think you. You just don't care anymore, Brandon. I think I do care. The I awful. Think you, I think you don't care. Okay, Jake. I'm going to prove to you how much I care. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe. The awful squid head with writhing, writhing feelers. Did I say... Your words strike me as insincere, Brandon. Mm. <laughs> Did uh. I say Eric and Kate the Camp Champ Kings who are warm and love bees? No. I don't know. I've not been able to repeat any, so I just, I've given Jake, up. Jake, it's now your turn. Is it my turn? No. Uh-huh. you sure it's my turn? I'm sure. Eric and Kate the Camp Champ Kings who are warm and love bees. Eric and Kate, the Camp Champ Kings, who are warm and love bees. Bursting as of an exploding mm. bladder. <laughs> yes. Tyler, the Keeper of Eternal Darkness, and Laura, the Keeper of Eternal Light. Tyler, the Keeper of Eternal Darkness, and Laura, the Keeper of... This is, this is going to be a great few uh, phrases here. A slushy nastiness as of a cloven sunfish. We can all picture a cloven sunfish. 
Ooh, where was I? Cold Steel Cody? Cold Steel Cody. Stench as of a thousand open graves. Jacqueline the Librarian Barbarian? Jacqueline the Librarian Barbarian. Sound that the chronicler would not put on paper. <laughs> John Bombadilla Bomb Diggity and Captain Tennille his mate. John Bombadilla Bomb Diggity and Captain Tennille his mate. Befouled by an acrid and blinding green cloud. <laughs> Saxophone Alex? Saxophone Alex. Venomous seething astern. The, the other saxophone Alex and Dubstep Danny. The other saxophone Alex and Dubstep Danny. The scattered plasticity of that nameless sky spawn nebulously recombining in its hateful original form. Ryan the Terror <laughs> of Texas and Erica of the Cream and Crimson who no longer are stuck in the cold, please send cheese. What Nathan just said. Mm. Oh no, we're out of those. That's so sad. Now we just get to read random things. <laughs> Sorry for everybody. Sorry for uh, everybody. Who Sorry knows the end? Indeed, who does know the end? Ben Solo and Kylo Ren? Ben Solo and Kylo Ren. Never mind, there's this all over the place. By the sinking whilst within his black abyss. <laughs> John the Cosmic King of Chaos? John the Cosmic King of Chaos? Still bellow and prance and slay around idle capped monoliths in lonely places. <laughs> oh, man. That just describes Brandon. He's always bellowing and slaying around <laughs> And prancing. Monoliths. Don't forget prancing. <laughs> and prancing <laughs> in lonely places. Uh, you just texted us yesterday when you were doing that. You guys, look at me prancing around lonely monoliths and slaying, too. <laughs> and, sl- and slaying, yeah, obviously. That's what Brandon does. Uh, he slays. Yeah, that's, that's kind of, I yeah. slay. That's right. That's right. What's the name of your poetry collection again? <laughs> slushy corpulence <What's> bloated <laughs> bloated corpulence <laughs> Board, bloated corpulence yes that's right uh, John did I say John the Cosmic King of Chaos oh yeah John the Cosmic King of Chaos what has risen may sink <laughs> Ooh. Matthew, Matthew the Mind Flayer <laughs> Matthew the Mind Flayer what has sunk may rise yeah it's right, <laughs> right it's terrible I don't care what anybody says no, was we're going to talk about that on a different podcast, Jake. Oh, it, it was sorry. okay. Annie, are you okay? Get your gun. Annie, are you okay? Get your gun. Loathsomeness waits and dreams in the deep. The flight of the Valerie. Flight of the Valerie. Decay spreads over the tottering cities of man. I said flight of the Valerie. Thor Ragnar Josh? Thor Ragnar Josh. A time will come. Yes, it will. Steven dot dot dot. Steven dot dot dot. Must not and cannot think. Pegalodon. Pegalodon. The most merciful thing in the world is the inability of the human mind to correlate all its contents. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't remember reading that opening line and saying, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> the most merciful thing in the world. <laughs> hey, guess what, Mother Teresa? <laughs> My mind can't correlate all its contents. <laughs> I'm more merciful than you. Okay, Christopher the Flower Hulk. Christopher the Flower Hulk lives on a placid island of ignorance in the midst of black seas of infinity. That is a good insult. <laughs> Tell somebody. Excuse me, folks. We're entering the home stretch here. We're actually we're in the home stretch. We're sliding. Lady of the Crystal Lake. Lady of the Crystal Lake. It was not meant. That she should voyage far. In the death of Marian, Lord of Death. In the death of Marian, Lord of Death. 
Theosophists have guessed at the awesome grandeur of the cosmic cycle. <laughs> Indeed. I was just thinking about that the other day. Uh, Emma, a man in dimension. Oh, oh, sorry. A man in possession of an Emily is in want of nothing. A man in possession of Emily is in want of nothing. Oh, let me know when we got the last one, okay? Because I got the perfect one for them. Mass of feelers, a scaly, rubbery-looking body, <laughs> prodigious claws on hind and forefeet. You've got one better than that? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Um, <coughs> Emily Nightshade, the haunter of dreams. Emily Nightshade, haunter of dreams. <coughs> the base were equally baffling. All about the Benjamin? All about we Benjamin's baby. <laughs> we were all really disappointed by that one. <laughs> Nameless yeah, rites and human sacrifices were certain queer hereditary rituals addressed <laughs> to a supreme elder devil or Tornasuk. Tornasuk? <laughs> I don't know. Is it like a sunder? Yeah. The mysterious phantom, of course. The mysterious phantom. Of An aged Anjakok or, <laughs> or wizard what? priest. I don't know. These are strange words. I can't read them. Can wizard you say that priest. one again? <laughs> no. An aged wizard priest. Nathan, it's not funny. We No, Brandon can't really read. Expressing yeah, the sounds in Roman letters as best he knew how. I have of these have described Brandon. All right. This is the last one, Brandon. I hope you got a good quote for it. We've got uh, our old and good and dear friends, Jeremy, the dark-hooded lord of death and his brooding bride. Maya! Maya! Sengluwi Migwanoff Cthulhu Railway Wiganoggle Fertagen. You had me until Wiganoggle Fertagen. Wiganoggle Fertagen, guys. Wiganoggle Fertagen! And as we always say on the bookening, Wiggle noggle for tagging. <laughs> hey, I think we have our teacher. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, guys, I think we can noggle for for Dagan. We can noggle for Tegan. Jake. What he said. <laughs>